we're talking about multiple things that are all related, and um, I'm excited about what we have tonight, and and just want to present it to you in the most uh, precise way and 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 the most um, understandable way, and I know the Holy Spirit's going to help us do that. So let's just, let's get started here. It's always best to start with the Word of God. He says, and we desire that each one of you show the same, uh, let me put the background up first, amen. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Inherit means to physically possess what belongs to you as a child of God. These new birth realities, things the scriptures say have already been given to you that you may not be experiencing and enjoying yet in your life reality, yet he's, he's giving us instruction here on how to uh, inherit or actually possess uh, the things that already belong to us on a spirit level. Imitate means to mimic, follow the example, repeat the established pattern, or we could say it this way, do what they did and do it the way they did it. Lots of examples uh, alive on planet Earth today that we can learn from, that we can I- experience and enjoy. Um, I remember years ago, uh, Father God had just, you know, done a miracle in Matt and Vanessa's life, and uh, where she uh, miraculously conceived their second son Jesse, and they were given testimony to that, um, and. The, uh, the pastor actually called me on the carpet the next day and, you know, how insensitive that was because there are other women in the church who wanted to conceive and were unable to conceive and, and struggling in that area. And, you know, I, I guess I just look at it different. I mean, it, if, if I'm believing God for something that somebody else has received, I want to hear about it. I want to. I want to. I want to know how they did it. Matter of fact, if they can lay hands on me, if they want to, you know. And um, and of course, there were I think three different scenarios in that whole outcome where we got to pray for every one of them before it was over with, and they all conceived. Amen. And um, so, um, so there's lots of people alive today that we can learn from their example of faith. And there's lots in the scriptures. The one that comes to mind for me is Abraham. So much so that Romans 4 and 12 tells us to walk in the steps of faith that Abraham had. And so what we see in Scripture is that there's an established way to receive from God. It's not random, it's not vague, but it's specific and it's clear. And there are different aspects and elements of this comprehensive approach, if you will, to receiving from God. Let's look at some more here of these aspects and elements. This hope. Hebrews 6 and 19, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, but sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Then Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. James 1, 3 and 4, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, same word, endurance, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing so we're seeing lots of things mentioned here faith endurance hope full persuasion um, things that 
are all pieces to this comprehensive approach to receiving from God. And so let me put this on the screen one more time. Remember that faith is not in a process. Ultimately, faith is in the person of God. Amen. We're not just trusting a process or trusting a, you know, three steps, this sort of thing. Um, obviously, there is a way to lead a person to Jesus, but someone with, uh, you know, a heart full of faith that cries out to him for, for help and for mercy, he hears that, even if they don't, you know, do it the official way that we would lead somebody into a salvation experience. Uh, God looks at the heart and he understands uh, that, that, you know, cry uh, to receive um, uh, salvation. Um, but when he, he talks about the endurance and the hope and the faith and then God's word, the idea is that each one of these rests upon the, the other. Now, I want to go back to, um, I keep thinking there's going to come a Wednesday night when I, I'm led to just spend the whole night talking about Abraham, but we're doing this a little differently, I guess, in, in that we're just kind of mentioning him uh, in, in, in parts and stages. But if you remember the first time God promised to Abraham that he and Sarah would conceive in their old age and give birth uh, to a son, um, they laughed at that. Uh, it, it just seemed so far-fetched to them, so impossible to them. But we see that they developed in faith uh, until they actually possessed that which God had promised to them. And the Bible says that there were a couple of things that Abraham learned to do. One of the things he learned to do was to not consider his own body now dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb. As long as he factored in uh, the uh, impossibilities of how the situation looked, it caused him to be weak in faith. But the Bible says he became strong in faith to the point of full persuasion by giving glory to God. By giving glory to God. And again, we're instructed in scriptures in the scriptures to follow his example and and so we see then that if you and i are going to be strong in faith fully persuaded to hold in our possession that which we've been given and which god has promised we're going to have to include within this uh what this step if you will that abraham took in giving glory to god now when he gave glory to god i i, I want you to again if you look at the at the list I believe that he gave glory to God in regards to God's nature, God's character, and God's ability. In other words, um, like, like Psalm 91, for example. The Bible says, I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, He is my shield. I will say of the Lord, He, he is my strength. I will say of the Lord, He is my healer. I will say of the Lord, right? So, one of the things that we'll look at as, as we continue to progress in this study is that throughout um, each one of these foundational layers to receiving from God, are word, you're going to find words, amen, that we're, we're going to have to use our mouths, amen. And a lot of times we think of making a faith confession where we speak to a mountain and we release our faith and we see that mountain move, all right? 
And, and certainly that's important. We were taught to do that in Scriptures. But the same Scriptures that teach us to speak to the mountain that also teach us to speak God's Word over our families, speak God's Word over our situations. Notice now, follow me downward on the list, all right? So how about if we begin to speak out God's thoughts, which are, again, contained with God's words, amen? And, and what if we were to start talking about what God desires? What God desires. Um, uh, Matthew was talking last night about, you know, there are certain confessions that he makes over our, our family members, right? And, and, and that each one of them desires what God desires for them. And, and, and that we desire to be in the middle of what God desires for us. See, notice now, we're, we're talking about what God's thoughts, God's desires, God's actions. You know, it's, it's, it's important for us to confess out of our mouths what we want to see taking place in our life reality. But I believe in order to develop the faith necessary to speak to a mountain and see it move, we got to start by proclaiming glory to God for the mountains that He's already moved. David did this when he was facing his biggest challenge yet. He reminded himself and said it out loud for all to hear that God delivered the bear into my hand, He delivered the lion into my hand, and the same God who delivered those things into my hand will deliver this Philistine into my hand. Notice what he's doing. He's giving glory to God. He's building himself up on his most precious and, and holy faith. And this was something that I believe David learned to do as a small child, uh, as a young man, if you will, when he would sit there watching his father's sheep, playing on that harp and singing songs to God. He would sing of the greatness of God. He would, he would sing of the loving kindness of God. He would sing of the justice of God. He, 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 he would sing of the greatness of God. Right, and so all all of this is is going towards uh, you know building uh, this understanding, this 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 uh, uh, recognition, this consideration of of God. And so when we talk about making a faith confession to see a mountain move, um, start with uh, all the things that God's done for you, and confessing that with thanksgiving and giving glory to God for these things. And 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 I believe that's the pattern that we see. In, in Abraham, Abraham began to learn about this God who had promised him these things. He, he began to, to, to fellowship with him and began to confess the things that he understood about him. And this is how he grew in faith and became fully persuaded until he inherited the promise that uh, God had uh, made to him. Now, there, there are several things here. Let me kind of go back to this. We, we said that um, endurance without hope will quickly fade. So I know those of you who are watching online or, or here in the room, you've, you've heard me go over this enough that by now I think you're familiar with it. I won't try to do a complete thorough review of it. But remember, endurance is based upon hope. And if there's no hope, then our endurance will quickly fade. Okay, endurance without hope will quickly fade because genuine endurance is based upon hope and sustained by hope, which is confident and joyful expectation. Now, let me, let me bring a, a new scripture on the table tonight as it relates to this subject, as it relates to this, uh, to this study, okay? And that's going to be Isaiah 40 and 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When it says those who wait on the Lord, the literal translation is those who expect. Those who expect uh, will pass to power. The idea behind waiting here is not sitting around, you know, uh, twiddling your thumbs. It's this idea of expectation. If you're in the waiting room waiting to be called for your appointment, the closer it comes to the time of your appointment, the greater your expectation of being called becomes. And so he's talking about this expectation. But now, I want you to see this, though, because he's clearly talking about expectation, which confident expectation, joyful expectation, that's the definition of hope. Amen? So we could even say it this way. As a matter of fact, some translations have Isaiah 41, those who hope on the Lord or whose hope is in Him. Amen? Notice what happens. They will renew their strength. So endurance is something that requires strength. Am I right about this? If you're going to endure, you're going to have to be strong to endure. And, and not just strong uh, in the beginning, but you're going to have to remain strong as, as you endure. So many times the devil is trying to wait you out. He's, he's, he's trying to uh, push things uh, as far as he can, right, to, to, to wear you down so that you uh, get tired of standing and no longer enduring on the confident expectation of what you've already believed, God, that you've received. Amen? But notice the promise of God. Those who expect Jehovah pass to power, or those who expect Jehovah, they renew their strength. Amen? Our strength is renewed when we... uh, In other words, why do we need strength for hope? It's, It's the hope gives us the strength that we need, the expectation gives us the strength that we need to endure and actually inherit receive in our possession the thing that God has promised to us. Does that help? Is that making sense to you? Okay. Amen. Those of you who are uh, listening or watching online, um, we got a heavy rain on this metal roof, and so uh, that's what the the background noise is if you're picking that up, and that's why I'm almost hollering so the people in the room can hear me, but I'm not going to be defeated, okay? Now, I I know we said this last week, but I want to say it again. Hope must be based upon something more secure and definitive than a simple desire for a positive outcome. Expecting something to turn out well because you want it to is not the same as expectation based upon a full persuasion something is already done and already received. And and so the devil offers a counterfeit for everything that God uh, has for us. He, He wants something to... Uh, resemble and, 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 and be close to, but not exactly the same as. So much so that the, the counterfeit uh, is deceptive enough that people think they have the real thing. And there are a lot of people who believe they are in faith who are not in faith. And the Bible talks about a genuine faith, a sincere faith. And, and so we also see that if, if there is... A such thing as an, the King James says, an unfeigned faith, okay, a, a real, a true, a genuine faith, then in that same line of thinking, there could be a, you know, a faith that people think is true and genuine that is actually not. Now, if we can tonight, I want to I try to walk you through uh, three scenarios to illustrate. Uh, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, okay? 
And so remember, I told you that a comprehensive approach to receiving is necessary because, number one, you are a three-dimensional being. You are a three-dimensional being. Remember, Jesus says, I give to you not as the world gives. And so if he gives to us in a way other than the way the world gives to us, we must learn to receive from him in a way other than the way we receive from the world. So not as the world gives calls for not as the world receives. And so the world operates in a, in a, on a one-dimensional plane. The, the world operates, uh, the world system operates, uh, you know, physical people giving physical things, selling physical things, whatever. The exchange involves a, a, a physical person somehow transferring something physical over to another physical person. And that's what we're most familiar with. That's, that's a, another one of these world systems that we've been indoctrinated uh, into and, and it, it clouds uh, the way we look at things, the way we see things, the way we hear things, okay? So we've got to learn how to receive from God as a three-dimensional being and we can't carry with us into receiving as a three-dimensional being the way that we think about receiving on a one-dimensional plane, okay? Now, number two, spiritual things must be received spiritually and then manifested physically. They must be received spiritually and then manifested physically. So, it's in a one-dimensional system, um, you know, we tend to think of, you know, a very simple approach. And we said that a visual confirmation is how we know we've received whatever it is. And we'll get to that in a little greater detail here in just a moment, all right? And then the third uh, thing, why do we need this comprehensive approach? Why is it necessary? It's because you are not receiving in a neutral environment. There is a very real devil who only comes, according to Jesus, to steal, kill, and destroy and he wants to rob from you, he wants to cheat you, he wants to do everything he can to prevent you from walking in the fullness of what it is that Father God has freely given to you and freely done for you, okay? So that's really, really important right there. So again, we're talking about this comprehensive approach, and I, I want us to understand why we need to, why, in other words, why is it not just as simple as uh, giving and receiving on a one-dimensional level? Again, you're a three-dimensional being, we're talking about spiritual things received spiritually, then manifested physically, and you're not receiving in a neutral environment, okay? Now, let me try to skip through some of this because I want to make sure we have time to finish this part once we start it, okay? Now, man, thank you for the letting up on the rain there. That's good, all right? So a one-dimensional approach to receiving relies upon sensory confirmation for proof or evidence for the completed exchange. Now that, that's um, <laughs> maybe too wordy, but the, the idea is you ask for something with an expectation of receiving it, and that thing is given to you, and then once you hold that in your hand, the confirmation that you received it is that you actually possess it, and, and so you believe, then, that you have received it, okay? 
Now, this one-dimensional approach to receiving has trained us to reverse the order of hope and faith. This is something that we're, we're going to be emphasizing probably beyond tonight because I believe one of, the, one of the biggest issues people are having today in receiving from God is that they're confusing faith for hope and they're trying to make hope do what only faith can. And there's a failure to understand how these work together. Remember uh, one of the verses we started with several weeks ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. And that word abide means that they go together, they work together, they produce results together, they stand together. They're, they're, they, they represent a system. And it's a system of precision. And when we confuse, first of all, when I say confuse it, Let's, let's even step back from there. So when we don't even really know what it is. How many people in, in not, I'm not talking about out, out in the world, I'm talking about in the church. How many people in the, I'm talking about God's people, they think hope is nothing more than a desire for a positive outcome. You, you see what I'm saying here? So we, we, we don't even, we, we, we are lacking precision in what these things actually are according to the Word of God. But then along with that lack of understanding, that lack of precision, is that we're confusing how these work together. And uh, for a lot of years in, in my growth and development, um, I understood hope as a precursor to faith. That it, that it came before faith. And, and, and that's really not how, according to the Scriptures, how it works. In other words, faith doesn't rest upon hope. Faith is based upon and rests upon the Word of God. And we have hope. Hope, confident and joyful expectation, based upon faith, which is simply defined, and we can define it different ways, is believing you've already received, even though you don't hold it in your hands yet. And so this one-dimensional approach, again, let's go back to one-dimensional. Somebody asks, and you, know, you hand it to them, they receive it, they ask expecting, hoping that you'll do something for them, that you'll help them in some way, but the visual confirmation of holding it in their hand is when they actually believe they've received it. So this reversed order then reduces the powerful forces of faith and hope to things like wishful thinking, supposition, or assumption. Now, a likely positive outcome, think with me now for just a moment, a likely positive outcome a likely positive outcome can easily deceive you into thinking that you're in faith. Are you with me? I shared this story before making this point. It's one of the, uh, I think, better ways to do it. Um, there was a gentleman who had the privilege of sitting next to Brother Copeland at a funeral, uh, some mutual friend of theirs, and he was trying to impress Brother Copeland. And he said to Brother Copeland, he said, um, you know, if they hadn't already embalmed him, I'd go raise him from the dead. And Brother Copeland said, well, I'm sure there's a fresh one in the back back there if you, if you want to go help somebody else out. Okay. But, so what is he saying? He's saying that if the guy wasn't embalmed, there's a greater chance of him being raised from the dead than if he, you know, than there is since he has been embalmed. Do you see the thinking there, right? In other words, he, if, 
If you think your faith rises and falls based upon the probability of something turning out favorable, you're not in faith. Faith has nothing to do with the odds of something working out. You know, it's like, well, you know, uh, 48% of the people who are diagnosed with this uh, recover, which means 52% don't, okay? And so it's like, well, you know, hey, Feeling really strong in my faith because 48%. Listen, Lazarus was dead. He died of a disease. He was buried and his body already began to rot. And Jesus raised him from the dead. So this is one of these areas, and I'm, I, I, we preached a series of sermons on this sometime back, and I want to go too far down this road. This is one of those areas where we deceive ourselves into thinking that because the, the odds of a successful outcome are favorable, and we get this idea that now we're strong in faith because the odds are favorable. And we've all had these situations where we've prayed and believed God and we're shocked when it, when it turned out. <laughs> Amen. Don't even, just keep looking straight ahead on that. All right. So a one-dimensional approach then really pr- puts belief in the place of an afterthought. Remember we said this last week, I hope I get it, but... I won't believe it till I see it. Okay? Now, let me get to where I'm trying to be. Praise the name of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I'm just, let me just talk to you for a minute, okay? I got, I've got these, I'm calling them scenarios, okay? So asking and receiving in a one-dimensional approach. Okay, are you ready? So make it real simple, all right? If you ask me for $20 and I hand you a $20 bill, there would be no need to believe you received because the money in your hand is the substance and the evidence that you have what you asked for. Okay? All right? Remember, Jesus said in Mark 11, and I kind of ran through some of those verses. We talked about it in here a lot. Jesus, this is the pattern. This is the, the established pattern Jesus taught us. He said, believe when you pray, believe you've already received and you will have what you ask for. So we said it this way, faith's results are immediate, but they're not immediately visible. If you immediately received what you asked for in your hands, there'd be no reason to believe you received it. And for that matter, there would be no reason for hope. The Bible says, why do you hope for what you already hold in your hands? When it's fulfilled, you're no longer in hope, you're in possession. Okay? So, again, this is the... Simple, one-dimensional approach. You ask for the $20. I hand you the $20. There's no need to believe you received because the money in your hand is the substance and the evidence that you have what you asked for. You ask for the $20 with some level of expectation, some level of hope that you would receive. Believing you have received, that's, that's faith, right? Faith is believing you have received, 
before you hold it in your hand. This is the, again, this is the example that we have of Abraham. Abraham believed God had made him something he could never make himself. And he believed it before he ever held Isaac in his hands. He believed it before Sarah ever became pregnant with Isaac. So much so that he changed his name to the father of a multitude. Before. Are you seeing this? So that's the example of faith. It's believing that it's, that it's done, full persuasion that it's done before there's ever visual confirmation of it. Alright? So, believing you have received in this scenario only comes when you hold the $20 in your hand or you have the visual confirmation. So, you, you, you ask for the $20. let us let us let us do um, a little different scenario now, okay? You ask for the $20... And instead of it being handed over, instead of it being handed over, you are given a promise that your request will be fulfilled at some point in the future. Stay with me now. This is scenario number two. We're going through three. So first one is, you ask with some level of expectation. The $20 bill comes out of my my pocket into your hand. The visual confirmation is when you believe you've already received it because you're holding it, okay? Now, the next one is you ask me for the 20, and instead of me handing it to you, I give you a promise that your request will be fulfilled at some point in the future. So I may say something like this, I don't have it, but I will give it to you later, okay? So this is scenario number two. Now, as before, you asked with some level of expectation, also known as hope, okay? You you asked with some level of expectation of receiving, and although you are disappointed in not actually receiving the money when you asked, your hope for receiving it at some point in the future uh, increases to the extent... Now, watch this. This is important. Your hope for receiving it in the future increases to the extent that you believe the promise for future fulfillment, right? So you ask me for $20, and I tell you I will give it to you later, okay? Now, if you don't believe I am able or willing to give it to you later, then your expectation of receiving it later may not increase at all. But if you have some level of confidence in my ability and willingness to honor what I told you at some point in the future, what has increased now is expectation because you don't have it yet and hope is a confident expectation of receiving some future good, okay? So notice now, you, you asked... And instead of you receiving the $20 bill, you received a promise of future fulfillment. And based upon your level of belief in the person who gave you the promise of future fulfillment, your hope will will either remain the same, will go down, or increase based upon that level of belief. Are you seeing all this? Okay, now... The reason I'm, I'm spending some time here is because I believe that's where a lot of people are. And a lot of people think that's how this works. Okay? 
But that's not, that's not the order of things according to what we see in the Scriptures. But here's the deceptive nature of this. When you uh, ask, all right, and don't have it in your hand immediately, you're disappointed, but hopefully, you know, you, you, you have more hope that maybe one day uh, my time for my thing, for my God, right, is, is going to come. And so, listen to me now, this may feel like faith, and that's why it's so deceptive. When you have that surge of hope based upon promise of future fulfillment, it feels like faith, okay? And uh, a three-dimensional, this may feel like faith, but in a three-dimensional approach, but in reality, listen to me, I, I I didn't say that right. It may feel like faith, but in reality, it's still, we're still one-dimensional. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit, okay? Help, help everybody listen to me right now that wants to get this, get it, okay? It feels like faith because you have some measure of belief. In other words, belief has been brought in here because you asked, instead of, uh, instead of you being handed the $20 bill, uh, you were offered a promise for, to give it later, and now we're, okay, are we going to believe they're going to give it later? Or are we, you know, not going to believe this? And so this is where uh, faith, and I'm using that term really loosely, uh, gets inserted into the equation, but it's in the wrong spot, and it's not really faith, because, again, we haven't believed that we've already received yet. And so it feels like faith, but it's not faith, because... If it's, if it's an expectation for something to, to, to be given to you in the future, that's hope. Okay? Man, we're plowing, all right? So the promise to be given the $20 bill increases the chance. Okay, you seeing this? It increases the chances, the probability, the supposition, the assumption. But it still leaves the door wide open for doubt. And notice now what happens. Two hours later, no 20. Two days later, no 20. Three days later, no 20. Three months later, you done forgot about even asking for the 20. And you think the person who promised to give it to you later, right, is not a man or woman of their word. Okay? So a misunderstanding of what it means for God to promise locks many people into this one-dimensional approach and leaves them plenty of room to spiritualize their their dysfunction. If you're asking me what's wrong with this approach, I'm glad you're listening and I'm glad you're thinking. So here's the question. Where is the faith in scenario number two? Scenario number two is when you ask, instead of you being given the $20 bill, you are offered a promise to be given that $20 bill later. Okay, And it may feel like faith, but it's not faith. Where's the faith in scenario number two? Don't confuse faith for an increased expectation based upon a promise given. That is what a lot of folks do, but expecting to receive is not the same. Expecting to receive is not the same as believing you already have. 
Scenario number two is the same as scenario number one where faith is concerned. Believing you've already received comes after the completed exchange and therefore relies upon visual confirmation. In other words, they promised they would give it to you later and you're hopeful, maybe you're more hopeful of getting the $20 bill, but you still don't believe it until you already receive it in your hand. This right here will set you free if you'll let the Holy Spirit help you. There's a big difference between believing you will receive and believing you've already received. Believing you will receive, for the most part, is just another form of hope. Okay? In the I will give it to you later scenario, faith loses its necessary precision and is incorrectly forced into the position of hope. Let me ask you the simple question. Did God say, I will give you healing later? Did God say, I'll give healing to you later? See, did God promise healing? Yes. But see, we, we hear promise and, and we think it the same as somebody saying, I'll give it to you later. God didn't say, I will give healing to you later. He said, by the stripes my son took upon his back, you were healed. It's already done. It's already been given. Now, we've, we've looked at two scenarios so far. One that is a simple, one-dimensional approach. The other has some more bells and whistles, but when you cut through all the mustard and all the clutter, it's still just a one-dimensional approach that's being spiritualized with a misapplication of, of faith, a misunderstanding of faith and an effort to shoehorn hope in place of faith. Now, let's go to a pure three-dimensional approach. Okay? And we're going to call this scenario number three. Scenario number three. You ask for $20. I pull out my wallet. I don't have $20 on me, but I have $20. So I pull out my phone, and I use an app on my phone to transfer $20 from my account to your account. All right? So one more time. You ask for the $20. I don't have an actual $20 bill on me, but I just transferred $20 from my bank account to yours using an app on my phone. You don't have the $20 in your hand, but have you received it? Yes, you've received it. Would you be lying if you told someone, I got the $20 I needed? No, you would not be lying because you have the $20 that you needed. What if they say, you got the $20 you need? Show me the money. Then you would say, Pastor Mark transferred it into my account. Here is the confirmation I received it. It is the basis for my expectation and evidence of the money that I have not yet seen and have not yet held in my hands. I don't have it in my hands yet, but I have confirmation. And it's not visual confirmation. Visual confirmation comes when I hold it in my hand. I have something better than visual confirmation. I have the Word of the living God. He said He has transferred it into my account. 
So when he says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen, he says that faith becomes the confirmation. It becomes the title deed. It becomes the proof that I have received what I can't show you. Are you in scenario number one, you got the 20, show me the 20. Here's the 20, dude. Check it out. That's one-dimensional. So let's, let's make this statement and we'll pray, okay? In a three-dimensional approach to receiving from God, faith is not an afterthought. It is the basis for your expectation. And it is the evidence that you have received what you don't yet see and don't yet hold in your hand. Are you seeing Are you seeing how faith and hope are getting confused with one another? Are you, it was, I heard Bill Winston say this, and it, and it frustrates people, and I'm not trying to frustrate you, but it exposes the wrong thinking. He says this, he says, there's no such thing as going to get healed. See, people say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to get healed. No, no, see you're taking the promise of healing and, and, and trying to wrongly understand how faith, hope, and endurance work together to see healing manifested in your body. You believe you've already received. Jesus said, if you believe you've already received, you will have whatever you ask for. If, it's, if the results were immediate, there would be no need for expectation. You would have the visual confirmation of it immediately. But we're talking about receiving something spiritual from God's Spirit to your spirit and then enduring in faith, hope, and endurance, persisting in faith, hope, and endurance until you hold whatever that thing is in your hand. That's the three-dimensional approach. And as long as the devil deceives you into, you may call it faith, you may call it faith, but if it's an expectation of something to be done later, that's not faith. That's hope. Faith believes it's already done, already received. I'm going to show you this more next week. It's, it's more than just Mark 11 and, and a couple of other places we've referred to. We're going to see it in Hebrews 11. This hallmark verse on faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not done. That word Things there in that verse. Things literally means things done. It, faith is the evidence, the substance of things done, hoped for. It's the, it's the evidence of things done, not yet seen. We'll talk about that. Okay. The devil wants you to keep reversing the order. And that's a lack of precision. It creates an, a shaky foundation because the layers aren't right. It's not stacked right. And now it's unsteady. All right, stand with me. Praise God. It's 801. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Are you getting anything out of this? Can you even hear me? I'm, I'm just...
Amen. Trying hard tonight. It's uh, um, amen. You know, if if uh, I <laughs> thank you, Jesus. You know, when the devil tries to mess with you, sometimes you just need to mess with him back. All right, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, they'll say, they can't even hear you. Nobody got that. I'll, I'll preach it again next week. I'll preach the exact thing again next week if I have to. Amen. Because it's too important right here. It's too important. This is, this is where the wheels are coming off for a lot of folks, but not us. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for your patience with us, Father. Lord, you know, we, we look at the disciples, and, and Jesus, you told them so many times, that you were going to suffer, you were going to die, and you would be you would raise from the dead on the third day, and yet they were shocked when you died, and even more shocked when you were raised from the dead, despite you telling them over and over again. It's very easy for us to, to, you know, look down on them or judge them uh, for that density, supposedly, Lord, and yet there are so many things that you have specifically said in your word, and yet, you know, your own people insist on trying to. Uh, do it a different way, or think it means something else, um, misapplication, misunderstanding, and Lord, I thank you that you're helping us dial that in and get that corrected tonight. Father, I thank you that um, you are positioning us to, uh, to receive from you uh, easily, Lord. It's not hard to receive from you. The devil wants us to believe it's hard to receive the things that we need for our families, the things that we need, uh, material things mental, emotional, spiritual, Lord, it's not hard. We got all the pieces. We got all the pieces. We just got to, we need some clarity on what those pieces are and how they all fit together. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're helping us with that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here on a kind of a sloppy, wet night outside. I know that uh, Jesus said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. And so uh, him and ministering spirits will go with you as you travel. So um, you be blessed. We will see you Sunday morning if not before, much love and good things coming. Praise God.